Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Today is Monday, November 5th, 2012. The share code for Friday, which was November 2nd, is 3266. That's 3266. Today we are reading from the big book on page 56, the bottom of that page, the paragraph that begins, this was our friend's cornerstone. And we are in the chapter, We Agnostics. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Lois to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Happy to be here this morning. Uh, Good morning. This is uh, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another the exact, nat- the exact nature of our wrongs. To another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to those people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I would now like to ask Katie to please read the 12 traditions. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. 
the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OREERS Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, OREERS Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics, and we are on page 56, the bottom of that page, beginning with the last paragraph. And this morning, I'd like to ask Judy B. to please begin. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, a great revulsion has risen up in him. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. Uh, This paragraph is talking about the um, story that we we previously had read um, 
with the minister's son, and he had he had come to the point of desperation and was just, you know, completely uh, in a mess. And um, his mind began to open, and uh, he was led to... Um, to the God of his understanding, and uh, and there he he had a, a spiritual experience. Um, in the paragraph before this, you know, it says that he he tumbled out of bed to his knees, and he was overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God. It was it was all around him. All of the barriers that he'd built up were swept away. He stood in the presence of his infinite power and love. He stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. And this story tells how he, how he uh, literally came to know his his creator, and um, and he was born anew. His alcoholic problem was taken away. You know, it says that he had a few brief moments of temptation, but that he he. He didn't give in to those because uh, the idea of it just uh, gave him great revulsion. You know, he, he he just couldn't drink anymore. God had restored him to sanity. And, and this is what God can do for all of us uh, when, we, when we're willing to go from the depths of despair to a brand new life, a life where we are in conscious companionship with our Creator. It's just a beautiful, beautiful program. And um, and you can read about the story of this minister's son on uh, page 208 in the fourth edition. His story is uh, told completely there, and you can read more about that. Uh, with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Please press star one to unmute. This is Katie. This is, this Go is ahead, Katie. And then Hi, I'm Katie. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater in Virginia. And um, I love this paragraph because it's um, exactly what happened to me. I, you know, when once I was restored to sanity and I turned the will of my life over to the care of God, one day at a time, I have not had to pick up that first bite. And it has, you know, when I have been around food, um, which, you know, happens daily, um, that I used to love, I, I get this gnawing, gross feeling in my stomach. Not gnawing like hunger, but gnawing like re- revulsion, just like it says in that paragraph, that I would... There is just no amount of food that would be better than the life I have today, even though it's not a perfect life, even though many, many, many hard days have been in my life um, because of, you know, have to live with people and, and people die and people, you know, get sick and people don't do what I want and people are messy and there's traffic and Every single thing that can happen in life has happened, except that I'm still alive. And I have not had to pick up the food. And, you know, I think that sometimes as 
compulsive overeaters, we can read that paragraph and think, well, yeah, because he never walked into a bar again. Well, that's not true. This can happen, and we can still walk alongside of the foods we at one time could not walk away from. And I'm just so grateful that um, this freedom is available to all of us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katie. Go ahead, Robin. Good morning. This is Robin, compulsive overeater. I wasn't sure what the word cornerstone meant, so I looked it up, and it says that it's the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation, important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. And I'm thinking back on all, all of the different ways that I tried to um, fix my problem, all the different methods I tried, the different, oh, I don't know, you know, all the the different programs, all the different books I read. And everything seemed so flimsy. There was nothing that um, I could find that, that gave me the sense of... Um, safety that I wanted around my food. Um, And it was true. Every single time I was sit in the face by some emotional event, whatever I was doing would just be washed away. It was just, there was just no strength in anything that I was doing. And um, that's the difference. That's the difference between those methods and this method. Um, And this isn't a method. This is a way of life. And what what it's taught me is that, um, you know, the first step in building this structure is finding my higher power. Uh, my higher power has helped me to build a structure that allows me to stay safe in the face of anything that happens. Um, and that's just not food. I mean, it's not just the food that, that I'm talking about when I say I feel strong, even though I agree with Katie that there is a sense of revulsion sometimes now when I'm faced with something. It, you know, I recoil this from a hot flame, which it was just shocking to me the first time it happened. But even more than that, the ability to withstand the storms of life that I can't control is there now, and um, that's what this is all about. It's... it's um, it, it, my higher power has given me the power to withstand the storms of life. And that's how I read this cornerstone um, idea. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Robin. Well, this is Janice. I'd like to share on this paragraph. You know, what, what had happened to this man was the same thing that had to happen to me. You know, it says in the, in the earlier paragraph, a great thought had come to him and it crowded out all else. You know, who are you to say there is no God? And that same kind of thing had to happen to me in order for that cornerstone to get fixed into place. And my question was very similar to that. Who is who are you to say there is no God that is exactly what you need? Who are you to say that there is no God that is exactly what you need? You know, having read this chapter and studied it with you all. You know, I was convinced of my need for God. Not that there was a God, 
not that you defined it for me, not that it was spelled out in excruciating detail to me exactly what that higher power looked like and was defined by. And No, all I knew was that I had this great need, this great spiritual need, and that it was going to solve all my problems. So to find that place, to step from bridge to shore, to step from bridge to shore and to be convinced of my need for God. That, that was the place I got to. And it says, no later vicissitude has shaken it. No other challenges, no other life experiences, no other things. You know, life continues, doesn't it? Doesn't it just? Life continues and it's filled with beauty and challenge and opportunity. But when, but when, like, if you're anything like me and this experience has happened to you and you work the 12 steps and you have that spiritual awakening and that spiritual experience, then no matter what happens to you in life, you have this firm cornerstone fixed in place. And it says, say for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. A thought. You know, because God direct my thinking, you know, we know one day at a time that when we live in that constant companionship, that we are free, we can be free of those thoughts, but when they do come, they don't need, need to lead to an action. <laughs> they don't need to lead to picking up the food. We now have a new way of thinking. You know, that's what's part of the transfer, trans, transformation for me. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. You know, he was back to sane mind and peace of mind. You know, the ease and comfort that I always used to seek in the food was now mine to be had with a higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Yes, good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to focus on God had restored his sanity. You know, we've been in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, which deals with Step 2, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The story we just read is of a gentleman who had a sudden transformation, uh, a, a spiritual experience. You know, for the most part, most of us have a spiritual awakening, something of a more gradual nature. But the bottom line is that it all leads to a restoration of one's sanity, you know, a spiritual awakening. These steps are designed to do one thing, and that is to cause a spiritual awakening. And what is meant by a spiritual awakening? What is meant by a spiritual awakening is a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, which is exactly what happened to this man. And that's exactly the whole point for all of us, having had a spiritual awakening. That's the whole point. You know, our whole journey through the steps takes us to this point where the obsession of the mind is expelled. It's driven out, and we are restored to sanity. We can now see the truth about ourselves. We no longer believe a lie. 
and take action on that lie. Instead, we are restored to sanity. God had restored his sanity. So that's exactly the whole point. Restored to sanity, having soundness of mind, being relieved of the compulsion to, of the obsession to compulsively overeat. And now this gentleman, he walks a free man, and that's exactly what can happen for us to be relieved of that obsession, to be free of the beast, you know, to have that voice stop whispering in our ear. And this is not about glorification of self. This is about getting out of your own way so that the grace of God, you know, can come in and transform one's life. But we have to cooperate with that grace. We have to cooperate with that grace. How do we do that? Through the taking of these steps. Specifically, steps four through nine are... It's a search. It's really a search for God. That's exactly what the steps are. They are a search for God. Through that process, steps four through nine, it removes the barriers. And you know what? Deep down inside, in each and every one of us, is a beautiful spiritual human being and God. An unsuspected inner resource resides there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sharon. Go ahead, Sharon. Good morning. This is Sharon. Recovered compulsive eater. Very, very grateful to be on the line with you this morning. I just want to comment briefly about that. Also, that same sentence: God had restored his sanity. It occurs to me how much I struggled with that word sanity. I, you know, am I insane? And insane, uh, the dictionary says that insanity is a danger, a deranged state of mind, usually occurring as a specific disorder. It's an insoundness of mind or lack of understanding as permits one to live a normal life. And um, it's insanity is craziness or madness. It's a Spectrum. It's not just, you know, one specific thing. It's a spectrum of behaviors characterized by certain abnormal mental or behavioral patterns. And certainly I fit into that category. And um, so there was some insanity. So restored to sanity is just restored to normal functioning. And I just want to say that for anyone out there who also struggles with that word insanity or sanity and uh, thinking that uh, they're not insane. It's just simply abnormal uh, uh, thinking. So I, with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Please press this is star one. Yeah. Go this ahead. Is- Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to comment on in the previous, <clears throat> excuse me, past passage where he, uh, when he woke during the night after his friends had left and he was in the hospital, and, and he woke and he asked himself, he was alone in his room, and he asked himself this question, is it possible that all these religious people I have known are wrong? And for me, uh, I've thought that way many times when I was searching for God of my understanding. But for, for what, what I've learned from this and what jumps out to me from this passage was at this was the point for him and for me where I became willing 
to let go of my distorted perceptions and thought I knew everything and I could never think that way. But this was the point where God, I believe, you know, just opened my mind just a little teeny bit and and I, I <clears throat> excuse me, and I was willing. I was willing to say, could I have been wrong? And and only when I did this and only when this man did this I've learned was was God able to, you know, allow, you know, some of his some of his power to come in, and it's only when um, when I release that little bit of negativity can um, can he allow hit the flow of his power to come into my life and to into this man's life, and that was that was the beginning. That was the bridge, the leap of faith that could help him into the next chapter of his life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to comment? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Penny, will you please read that for us? Yes, thank you. Penny E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. What is this but a a miracle of healing? Yes, its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. Should I need read the next one, Janice? Go ahead. Even so, has God restore us all to our right minds. To this man, the revelation was sudden. Some of us grow into it more slowly. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, he, dec- he disclosed himself to us. I'm going to share. Uh, Penny from South Jersey recovered today. Through the grace of God, I have been restored to sanity. And I always like to share uh, my definition of, of, of sanity. You know, for today, I have been restored to sanity, which is nothing but a miracle of healing. After all the things that I tried, uh, I never thought. I had, I had really just decided that I was going to be a fat, unhappy human being until I found this room and until I found the uh, 12 steps to recovery. But I always say, God has restored me to sanity. Today I eat a sane amount. I no longer eat gigantic amounts or minuscule amounts. It's a a sane amount. I have sane selections today. I I don't eat all just from one food group, sugar, you know. Uh, I eat at the same time. I eat at mealtime, you know, um, not in the middle of the night, not while I'm driving the car, you know, not two minutes after I've already eaten. And in the same place also. I don't eat in bathrooms anymore. I used to go into the bathroom at work so people wouldn't see me eat, you know, hiding, hiding, hiding. I eat at a table today. I eat for the same reason. I've been restored to sanity because it's mealtime. Not because I'm unhappy or happy or depressed or lonely. It's mealtime. My body needs nourishment. I have same feelings and thoughts before and after I eat. You know, I don't have any guilt anymore. Thank you, God. The meal is over. Thank you, God. I ate what I planned. Thank you, God. It's enough. You know, I'm not going to eat anymore. Thank you, God. And today I'm maintaining the same body size. I'm not too I'm not fat and I'm not too thin. I've been on both sides of that. This is nothing but a miracle of healing through the grace of my higher power. 
I love the line, even so has God restore us all to our right minds. Again, I think that's another word for sanity, you know, right mind. And uh, for me, it, it was not sudden. It was slowly. But the very first spiritual experience I had was that first step, you know, realizing that I was powerless. That's where it all began. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this this reading today? Hi, it's Diana calling from Beach, Florida. Go ahead, Diana. Hi, good morning, everyone. Diana, recovering compulsive overeater. Love the reading this morning. Love the fact that we have this uh, option to fellowship. When we can't get out, we can call up and hear our fellows. Very blessed by this. Sitting here and listening about uh, spiritual and emotional and physical healing, I just checked my blood sugar. It was 97. That is a miracle as the result of doing what I've been taught to do, the result of working the steps, and the result of what uh, someone said just a few minutes ago, that companionship with my higher power. I sat here last night at the kitchen table with choices because I have the choice each and every day to go either way. And the thoughts were in my mind that I wanted something that was in the fridge that was not beneficial to my health whether it be spiritual, physical, or emotional, or mental, or whatever, it would have clouded my thinking. How do I know this? I experimented with this food forever, so I knew that that wasn't a good choice. And so what I did here for that moment was I spoke to God as I understood him. I believe he hears me, and he listens, and and he responds. And that grace that I also believe comes from him, that, 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 that favor, that help, that sufficient strength was there. I made the right choice. This morning I'm up. I have a good blood sugar, which is a miracle because I'm on tons of steroids. And just doing the right thing and making the right choice with God's help, you know, I'm just so happy this morning for so many things. And uh, thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Diana. Would anyone else like to comment? And your name was Joyce? Go ahead, Joyce. Uh, My name is Joyce, and uh, I am grateful this morning. I'm two days clean, and you talk about insanity. And I kept praying, I'm like, God, I know I can do this because I've had recovery before. I had abstinence before. I didn't have recovery, so let me clarify that. And it is a spiritual, mental, physical program. I mean, this is all-encompassing. It is definitely not about the food. The food is just what I use to cover up all the other craziness or the other insanity. But what happened uh, to me over the course of the last couple of weeks is that I had some blood work done, and I was like, oh, God, please don't let me have diabetes. Please don't let me have a thyroid problem. And based on all the stuff I was doing to my body, it's a miracle that I don't have those things, and I'm very grateful that I don't have those things. So I'm like, okay, God. And then my son found my stash on Saturday when I wasn't home. And he's like, Mom, I took it. I took it and I hid it. And I'm like, 
okay, and I didn't freak, and I'm like, you know what, this is God telling me that I'm not doing what he wants me to do. And I'm definitely um, just very grateful that I know what to do, and I just need to do it uh, versus me expecting to God to send some big, huge lightning bolt down, part the Red Sea and all that other kind of stuff for me. But he's sending me these little things, and the question is, am I aware of what he is trying to tell me and open enough to receive it and just do it in the moment and not worry about the next 40 or 50 years of my life. So thank you for letting me share, and I'm glad this meeting's here. Thank you, Joyce. Would anyone else like to comment? Well, this is Janice, and, and I would like to comment here. You know, on page 56, in that top paragraph, it tells us that this man's story that we're reading about, it brought him to the point of self-destruction. Self-destruction. And if you're anything like me, you can maybe identify with that. Self-destruction. You know, I was destroying myself. And it was my thinking that made me suffer. It was my thinking that made me suffer. You know, yes, you taught me the doctor's opinion and more about alcoholism and there is a solution and now we agnostic that I had a twofold disease. Yes, allergy of the body. I was going to have a physiological reaction every time I picked up those sugar foods. Every time. And yet I picked them up again and again and again to the point of self-destruction. But if that had been my only problem and I kept having that physiological reaction, that allergy of my body, then when I stopped doing that, wouldn't I have been fine? But I had something even greater than that wrong with me. My thinking, this obsession of my mind, and it was lodged solidly. I had passed from habits to obsession long ago, long ago, to that point of self-destruction. Self-destruction. And finally, it was between me and God. You know, this man alone in his room, well, I had to be alone also. Absolutely alone. And know that I needed this power greater than me. That without this power, there was nothing I could do about this. And it had been proven over and over and over again. So, you know, I had this little bit of a belief. Because I saw it, not only this big book that came alive for me, but people in whom the problem had been solved that were bringing this big book alive to me. And with that, I was able to find the willingness to start that whole process, to start to believe, to know I needed to believe and to start to believe. And the knowing would come ever deeper with the working of the steps. The knowing was a process, that knowledge that would come from experience. And this man, you know, when he was restored, knew it was nothing short of a miracle. And it says, yet its elements are simple. Simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. And the price that was paid was the payment of my ego, my self-sufficiency, my self-determination, my self-motivation that I had praised 
so highly. But that wasn't working for me, at least not in this area of my life. And so when I put that down and asked God in, when he offered himself to his maker, then he knew, then he knew. Because here was something he had never experienced before. How could it be anything short of a miracle? You know, and to some of us, we grow into it slowly. I grew into it slowly. But I grew into it with this as a starting point. Step one, knowing I was powerless, seeing the unmanageability of my life, and coming to believe, coming to believe that I needed a power greater than me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on on these readings on this paragraph? Go ahead, Robin. Um, hi, this is Robin again. Um, uh, the word miracle, what is this but a miracle of healing? I have all my life, I've had trouble with the word miracle. It gets thrown around so much in our society, and it, it had kind of become a trite word for me. Um, you know, what exactly is miracle? a miracle, and I used it a lot too, you know, just because it was the way I'd always thought, this is a miracle, this is a miracle, you know, I got up, I got up this morning, what a miracle that is, and I just had, um, I, I had somebody talk to me recently about, um, we were talking about the word miracle and the definition of it, and she just said something about the fact that a miracle to her is just a shift in perception, it's a perspective change, and I have hung on to that ever since. Um, and that's how I define the word miracle now. My prayer um, very often these days is, God, please give me a perspective change, because when I'm distressed, it's usually because I'm looking at something in a very narrow way when there's a much different um, perspective that I could have that would allow me to, to do it God's way. And and when I do that, God restored us all to our right minds. It's the it's the openness. It can be the the willingness to have a perspective change about my food. Um, I've relapsed a number of times, and I'm not saying I have, but maybe I've relapsed a number of times. Well, okay, God, give me a perspective change. I'd like to see this differently. What is it that I need to do to change this habit of having relapses? Um, whenever I get behind the wheel, I happen to have um, events of road rage. Well, okay, God, restore, give me a different perspective so I can maybe feel differently about what it means to be driving on the road. Um, what I'm finding is that when I, drew, when I draw close to God, he discloses himself to me. If I have a closed mind and believe that my way is the only way of thinking, and I will not change my way of thinking, nothing is going to happen. But if I ask my higher power to change my perspective, everything happens. Everything. Because I'm, I, all of a sudden I'll see things in a different light. And it isn't all of a sudden. Sometimes it's very gradual, but it's the... It's the fact that I have put it out there. I've admitted to God, my perception is really screwed up right now. Please give me a new perspective so I can see the world in the way that you would have me see it. And he restores me to my right mind. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? This is Leah. 
Go ahead, Leia. Thank you so much. Quite a message of hope and salvation here, looking at this statement. Even so, has God restored us all to our right minds? So first of all, this book was penned by those who had a spiritual awakening. It's the collective voice and the collective experience and wisdom of those who blazed the trail before us. It says, even so has God restored us all to our right mind. So this is their experience. They had a spiritual awakening, and as a result of that spiritual awakening, it did two things. One, it rid them of the obsession to drink. And number two, it enabled them to become happily and usefully whole. It restored their sanity. Even so, has God restored us all to our right minds. Emphasizing all. You know, every word in this book was carefully chosen. This is not, um, you know, (laughs) this is open to all of us. You know, this process is open to each and every one of us when we cooperate with the process, when we cooperate with God's grace. It says some of us grow into it more slowly, which is the case for most, right? But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. Again, emphasizing that it is available to each and every one of us. You know, I like to say that there's two types of people that come into these rooms, those that recover and those that don't. And you know who makes that choice? We do. (laughs) We do. Because God is available. God loves everybody equally. Every one of us, in my opinion, every one of us is given the same amount of grace. Then why do some people recover and some people don't? I think it's because some people act upon that grace. Right? Some people come cooperate with that grace and some wait for the grace to do it for them and for people like us that it doesn't work i have to cooperate with god's grace but the fact is that it's all inclusive it's broad and roomy there's room for all of us in these pages it says when we drew near to him he disclosed himself to us how did i draw near to him well first of all i have to be willing Was I willing? Yes, I was willing. I had been beaten to a pulp, and I was beaten into a state of reasonableness, and I was willing. I was willing to believe, even if I couldn't understand it, even if I couldn't comprehend it. I was willing to believe because there were people sitting across from me who had recovered, who had been restored to sanity. And those people were living proof that God had revolutionized their lives. They were living proof that some power greater than human power was working in their life. Because you know what? Prior to that point, they were living in the gutter. And something had transformed their life, and it surely wasn't them. Was I willing to believe? And yes, I was willing to believe. Because what was my choice? To continue to eat myself to death, that was my only other choice. There was only two doors, either to continue to eat myself to death or to be willing and open enough to believe that somebody, something out there could restore me to sanity. And I took that door. I walked into that door, made a decision, and then through the process of the steps, I drew near to him. I experienced God when my resistance stopped. The program of recovery is a search for God. Ultimately, that's what it means. In in that process, we find God. We have a psychological change, a personality change sufficient to overcome the mental obsession, and God reveals himself to us, each and every one. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Anyone else like to comment? Janice, it's Susan. 
And who was the, uh, someone before you, Susan? Who was that? This is Linda. I'm new to this phone meeting. We uh, have an echo when you speak, Linda. Maybe you can adjust your volume or otherwise go ahead. Is that okay? Is that okay? I'm still getting the echo. I'm not on the cell phone. I'm not on the cell phone. How's that? That sounds good. Okay, great. Um, there was a, a sentence that jumped out at me. Um, seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. 98% um, of the time, I'm in that place of surrender. Um, sometimes I'm not. <clears throat> but I, I've also learned that... Um, in life, seemingly he could not fill whatever that is, and even if he could, um, being willing to understand God's will and his way, as you all have been saying so beautifully, surrendering to that point, and that is gradual, okay, um, having cancer, having loss of job, having loss of heat and electricity, surrendering to the point where all is well within my soul and um, not having it any other way, even if I could. Um, that, to me, is the ultimate surrender. And then letting God take do the rest. And that helps me in revealing to me every day what is necessary and what is not necessary in life in order to stay sane and have keep my serenity um and then being hearing god and being directed by my higher power um is a gift and i i really um this is a great meeting, and um, thank you all for sharing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Good morning, Janice. This is Melanie. Susan. Go ahead, Melanie. Oh, go ahead, Hi. Susan. Okay, thank you. This is Susan, recovering compulsive overeater, working on being recovered. You know, somebody said before that they had to be able to find God. Well, unfortunately, I sat in the rooms for many decades alone. And it was scary to me because I could not hear the recovery, even though people said they were recovering compulsive overeaters and they had a God of their understanding. I could not see it. I could not feel it. Of course, I couldn't touch it, but I couldn't even, I couldn't even perceive that this too can happen to me. So I'm one of the ones that it says here, some of it comes quickly and some of it comes slowly. Uh, some sudden, but some moreover, it's slowly. And I had to have my sponsor continuously for days, for weeks, for months. But that's God. But that's God. Don't you see that's God? Don't you see that's a change in you? And she continuously, like I said, she just kept reaffirming that this is God. And 
I had two choices, either believe her or not believe her, either stay and be in recovery or not be in recovery, to, to be clean on my food or lie and cheat and steal. So eventually it started to sink in, and it was slowly. But, you know, she, had, she told me the same thing that I hear everybody saying. I had to have a shift in thinking. I had to believe that um, who am I to say that there is a God or there isn't. And she read me this prayer, and I'm just going to read it to you, and then I'll be done. It's called the Set Aside Prayer. Please, God, let me set aside everything I think I know about my disease, about these steps, this program, and especially you, God. I pray for an open mind and a new experience with my disease, with the steps and the program, and especially to you, God. And that is posted on my computer. It's, of course, I have it written here in my book. And it keeps me uh, in conscious contact with the fact that I know nothing. I know nothing. When she first started sponsoring me, she said, go to the front of the book. And what does it say on the very, very first page of the front of the book? It says nothing. It's a blank page. It says Alcoholics Anonymous. So these, these chapters and these steps and these words and all your words out there is what it has taught me new meaning in life. And I'm so grateful to be here today. Thanks, Pess. Thank you, Susan. Go ahead, Melanie. Hi, good morning. Thanks, Janice. Thank you for your service. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater here from Minnesota. And I wanted to just add my experience, which is exactly like those that have talked before I'm talking now. So I'm doing this with some sort of hesitation because of repeating, yet it felt really important when I looked at this board here and there were 145 people here on this phone that have come here looking for an answer, looking for a solution, looking for hope. And seven years ago that came to me. I practiced for 50 years. Compulsive overeating progressed throughout time. That I get, I became a professional compulsive overeater to the point where I couldn't stop it anymore. It was completely out of my hands whether or not I was going to pick up, whether or not my life took a direction or not. I, it, I couldn't. I had no, no reign over whatever I did. I was completely a slave to food. My world had gotten so small. I was agoraphobic. I was not leaving my home anymore. I, the last time I had weighed, I was 272 pounds, and I have to tell you, I stopped weighing probably a year prior to that. It was a miracle of healing. The mind, the body, the reaction, the action, everything that I had, my epitaph was going to read, she gave it all up for food because I couldn't get out of it. I was pointing my finger at a family member because of where they were in their life. And everything that person was doing was what I was doing, and I couldn't see that over time. A miracle of healing. I came into the rooms not because I wanted to find God. I wanted to get away from this hell that I was living, and it was all encompassed, smothered by food. I wanted to be free. And I didn't know what that was going to be, and I certainly didn't want it to be God. I have to tell you, I didn't want it to be God. It was a miracle in healing that happened to my life. There was no reason. I say this over and over. That I had, no, had you been a fly on the wall in my house, 
you could see how I would not have had a snowball's chance in hell to have put down the food for seven years over any situation that's ever come to my life. And how did that come to be? I just came. I just showed up and I came. And I said, please, don't let anything that I think that I am or have get in the way of this happening for me. And over time, the barriers, the resistance, the defiance has been lifted from me one bite at a time, one clean, clear, abstinent meal after the other. There has been sanity restored to the point that there is a power within my soul and my heart that has restored my thinking to be able to live effectively, efficiently, and productively, and it continues to grow. Mine was a slow educational variety, but the fellowship of the higher power that's transferred to me kept me right in the center of that so I didn't go anywhere because I'm a cut and runner as well. There is a miracle. There's miracles that are happening in this room. There's a reason why. There's over 150 people that come to these places. Why or where it happened for me, I don't know. I had a definite opinion on what I didn't want it to be, and I'm here to tell you today everything has changed. Everything has changed, and with that I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to comment? Please press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Melanie in Atlanta. I'd like to share. Go right ahead, Melanie. Um, hi, I'm Melanie, a compulsive overeater, gratefully in recovery. And, um, you know, I was sitting here really thinking back on how my life was before I came into program, and I was so isolated I did not know it. Um, I was very lonely, had no social life of, you know, any mention. And, you know, today my life is a lot different. Um, And what I'm facing now is because it is so different, so open, so full, I'm really having to be even more committed to my program or I know I will lose it and just not be present in the moment. And so I'm just claiming my seat today. Um, I had recently been traveling a lot, moved, got engaged, did some other things, and just, you know, did not make my recovery a priority. And I can feel it physically and spiritually. And so I'm just glad to be off the road. Um, and I spent the weekend kind of just getting organized. Um, and I just feel so much different this morning, waking up with a clear head um, when I'm organized. I just feel like my day flows a lot more smoothly. Um, we talked about faith on the on the line on Friday, and for me, what my faith says is that if God shows me, okay, these are the things that I need to do, this is my part, then he will take over, and he does it every time. And my part is getting up, you know, preparing my meals in advance and, you know, doing my meditation and that kind of thing, and the, the compulsion will be relieved. It's shown over and over again. And so, um, you know, it's definitely a sane versus an insane life. And I'm just, I'm just grateful for everyone who shared this morning that reminded me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, I'm just grateful today that I have the willingness to do it 
just one day at a time. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to share? Please, please press star one. All right, then I think we'll close the meeting here this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Carol, would you please read that for us? Yes. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.